The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to Time Masters, a PapaChulaRadio.com original series. Papachula Radio celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Monday, May 17th, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Please welcome my co-hosts, Millie Wood. Hello, listeners. And Professor X. Drama! <laughs> Spectacular. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 6, Episode 3, which was titled The X Factor and aired May 16th, 2021. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. The legends find themselves in 2045 trying to defeat an alien warrior, which leaves Zari no choice but to enter a popular singing competition. Ava has finally had enough of Rory's behavior, and with the encouragement of Spooner, gives him some tough love. Sarah finds herself struggling after being attacked, but someone familiar helps her to keep... That made me get lost. Okay. But someone familiar helps her to keep searching for refuge. Meanwhile, Zari and Constantine have a much-needed conversation with each other. All right. That was all nice and lovely. But the one thing that I want to talk about first is, what is going on with Gideon? Because after watching this episode, I was like, is there something going wrong with her programming? Because she just seems off in an interesting way, not in a bad way. Um, Amy Louise Pemberton is playing her in a different sort of way. And I'm wondering if we are going to get an answer to that. Uh, she's been a little off the past couple of episodes, ever since we've returned this season. I read an interview with Tala Ash, and she did mention Gideon, and it would be something that would be addressed. And I was wondering if either of you also feel that Gideon is just a little off this season. Am I the only one? Uh, yeah, but off in a fun way. You know, it, it's, in a fun it's way, one yes. thing to say, you know, uh, alien ships on, you know, coming off the starboard bow. And one thing to alien ships coming off, you know, it's just that she's perky and upbeat in an insane way about everything. And and, and yeah, I have to think there's a reason to that. I think, you know, uh, you know, Amy Louise Pemberton has has demonstrated she's a, a, a really good voiceover artist. She's, you know, given a lot of, uh, of depth and gravitas to uh, to Gideon over the years. So I'm sure we will find out there is some reason for this. Yes. And if it gives us, you know, our, our prerequisite one episode per season where oh, yes. we get Amy Louise in the flesh, then, hey, so much the better. That would be awesome. I agree with you on that as well. Uh, Amy Louise Pemberton is a fantastic voiceover artist. Uh, she is a character on a game that I play, uh, Fortnite's uh, Save the World 
game. She plays Penny, and she's fantastic as Penny as well. Uh, interestingly enough, it, it's a game with uh, zombies, so uh, I will leave it at that, because the professor has strong feelings about zombies. So, let's talk about one of the main storylines of the episode, which is Zari and Constantine. We've seen them throughout the past couple of episodes uh, canoodling, snuggling, getting down and dirty, but they've both sort of talked about each other as a fling, you know, an FWB type of situation, uh, but clearly we could tell, based off of the acting, that it wasn't really an FWB sitch, it was more so I got the feels type of sitch. Um, and this episode finally had both of them talking about their feelings. Uh, Millie, Zari and Constantine, a ship we didn't know we needed, a ship we didn't even think we were going to like. What'd you think of them in this episode? And uh, what'd you think of just the storyline as a whole? You know, by the end of the episode, we have Zari and Constantine calling each other boyfriend and girlfriend. I thought it was cute and fun, and I like how that was kind of the main focus, because uh, we kind of get to see a different side a little bit of both of them, uh, more so Constantine, where he's like, you know, playing off, you know, sorry, he's like, oh, I, I, he doesn't, you know, that's not, we've established it, and he doesn't seem like a guy that would really care, and then he's obviously affected, so, um, you know, you can never just be FWB is what the takeaway is, even if you're Constantine that has all these weird emotions and back history. Uh, but I thought that was fun. I like their chemistry, and I like how they, they have that, and hopefully it's just, they don't kind of drown it down in too much kind of relationship drama now that we've established as we kind of move forward. Um, I like their resolution and their song that they had a they had together to kind of um, win back each other's like out of the argument stuff. So overall, it was, a, it was a fun and very legendsy way for some couple to get together. Yes, which I will say it was an actual real life song. Uh, we got a lot of fake songs throughout the episode, uh, but that was a real song. The Buzzcocks are real, which I googled that because uh, I'm not really a punk rock type of person. Uh, Professor, did you know about them? Uh, I did. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Yes, I knew the professor was a man of culture. Yes. Okay, professor, do you have anything to add in regards to Zari and Constantine? Do you like them as a ship? Uh, I like them uh, just fine. Um, I'm glad they dealt with it as quickly as they did. I thought, you know, they did the the whole scene with Zari's mother just seemed to be to set up the classic, you know. Yeah, a person sitting outside the doorway overhear something they weren't supposed to overhear, which was someone lying to someone else, and then they take that the wrong way, and yada yada, and you know, have, you know, it's not like we haven't seen that before in the Arrowverse, but at least they dealt with it quickly, and uh, they allowed uh, you know them to to get over it, and by the end of the episode, it's like okay, all that's in the past, which is thank God for that because this is the sort of thing that on other shows. You could see this, you know, stretching out over multiple episodes with, you know, passive aggressive looks and uh, and muttered asides and stuff like that. And I'm just glad that, you know, that is taken care of now. Absolutely. One hundred percent. I would also I would also like to see uh, John meeting uh, Zari's parents. That would be fun. Yes. One hundred percent. I'm glad that we got uh, Mama Zari 
there, uh, Mama Tarazi. Uh, she is, was fantastic. Uh, it was great to see a um, an episode in the year 2045 that didn't fully have to deal with like Zari at home. I, I feel like the the couple times that we have gone to 2045. It's always been with the Tarazi, so it was great to sort of explore the world outside of Zari's home. Uh, I thought that was kind of neat. Although it was also nice to have uh, her mom mixed into uh, the storyline as well. I'm glad we didn't forget her. Uh, so let's talk about Mick. Something that we talked about in the previous episode. Once again, his uh, persnickety attitude was in... Uh, full effect in this episode uh, he um, is extra gruff extra assholish um, extra extra throughout this entire episode uh, we do learn that there is a reason for it it's because um, his daughter is in college and is is busy being a university student, and so she doesn't have that much time to answer phone calls from him and, and that sort of thing. He's also uh, stressing because they haven't found Sarah, and he feels that if Ava had been kidnapped, that Sarah would have found her by now. Um, he, at one point, nearly causes like the decimation of the entire planet, which, you know, he's just kind of like, oops, about. Um, and Ava really is kind of done with him. Uh, and is like, if, if you aren't going to shape up, you're going to ship out. You know, you can get off the damn ship. Uh, later on, he does end up, uh, you know, sort of inspiring them on, on what their quest is going to be. As opposed to searching for Sarah, they're going to search for Kayla, a name that we've heard many times, um, you know, throughout these past two episodes. But what do we think of Mick? You know, we've talked about him. We, we talked about the weirdness of, uh, you know, just Dominic Purcell and how he announced that he was leaving. Uh, this whole Mick storyline just, once again, reminded me of his Instagram post for whatever reason, because that Instagram post was hella gruff and hella extra extra. Uh, Professor, your thoughts on Mick throughout the episode? Did you enjoy him? Uh, were you kind of as over Mick as, as, as Ava was over Mick? I was. I think what they tried to do in, in the episode, and I think they did a pretty good job of it, was they explained without excusing. Um, you know, there's there's really no excuse for how he's been behaving and certainly how he behaved in this episode. Um, but we did get the explanation for it, which is, you know, uh, you know, he's the last of the the OG uh, legends, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, feeling that sense, you know, the, the losing Sarah has hit him hard, but of course he can't express it. And, you know, what he's dealing with, with Belita. So, you know, we got that explanation of what he's going through, um, uh, you know, even worse than the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, you know, almost decimating the earth was he pulled his gun on Ava. And, and that to me was like, that was crossing a line. Like, I don't care how, bad you're feeling. I don't care how upset you are. Um, you know, you can't do that. Uh, and, um, yeah, I, I, I worry that they've, they've made him so gruff and unlikable that I don't know if there's any coming back for the character. Um, 
you know, and, and to a certain extent, this is just, you know, the Rory that we've come to know, you know, over the seasons uh, on Legends. But it does seem more extreme uh, in this episode. And as I say, they, they gave us a little bit of backstory, a little bit of explanation for for why he might be feeling bad. But it's still it's, you know, it used to be, you know, years ago, we were talking about you could put any character with uh, with Rory on a side plot and they would have chemistry and it would be a lot of fun. Now it's we're not getting that. It's It's not doesn't seem fun. I don't know whether it's that Dominic Purcell isn't having fun with it or the writers aren't having fun writing for him or what it is, but his, his character has just become a grudge. Yeah. He used to be a lovable jerk. You know, we loved, you know, the little, uh, when, when the camera would sort of pan to Mick and he would, you know, drop a one liner, he would be gruff. Maybe he'd throw some sort of assholey type of shade to, uh, the group. He, He would seem like, it would seem he would act like he didn't want to be there, but you knew he really wanted to be there. Now it's the complete opposite. He just seems like an asshole. It really does seem like Mick, maybe even Dominic, he doesn't want to be there anymore. Uh, they've just written him horrendously. Like, he's just too assholey, and And it's, it's really... It takes me out of the episode completely because every time I see him now, at least, you know, these past three episodes in this new season, I'm just like, Ugh, why is he even there? You know, it doesn't really seem like he wants to be there. And if he doesn't want to be there, then why is he there? He's just there. Um, well, Dominic is just there for the damn check. Um, Millie, your thoughts on Mick? Are, are you on the same train that we are or did you interpret make a little differently no i'm on the same train as y'all um it it is weird and i think for me though i i'm not saying that like oh i i think what he's doing is great or like is acceptable but i felt like it started last season and and i felt like they were kind of setting up for him to leave as well and he was a little gruff in there and i think especially considering real-life circumstances, it just kind of comes to head now, and it makes a lot more sense in terms of, oh, you know, maybe writers aren't having fun writing him, you know, actors not having fun, but it is a bit of a turnoff, and also it's even more of a turnoff because he's not in the episode a lot, so it's like the time that he does have is all just this negativity, and it doesn't add any fun and or any anything really to the whole dynamic and the chemistry and moving forward, and, you know, Ava's trying her hardest, um, and he's just being like a like a negative Nancy on it. So yeah, it's not, it's not a good time over there. Yeah. At all. It's, it's really strange what they're doing with it. Um, Maybe it's just Dominic. Um, I hate when real life stuff sort of seeps into the show. Like, you know, if two actors don't like each other and um, you know, they can't be actors and sort of hide that it, it, can become really uncomfortable to watch. I always give props to actors. You know, maybe they don't like their co-stars and that sort of thing, but if they can act like they like their co-stars in the scenes, like, I I appreciate that much more than actors that don't know how to hide their real-world feelings within a scene. And it really looks like Dominic Purcell is just not having fun anymore. Which is sad. Well, but remember, you know, uh, writers are writing the lines for him. Dominic Purcell is not making these lines up on his own. And so maybe the frustration we saw in his famous, you know, Instagram post was because he was written like this for a season and, you know, was not having fun playing the character because Mm. of how it was written. Okay. 
There you go. The professor's because, like, think about it. Just over the past, you know, the first three episodes of the season, he has just been not even a fun curmudgeon. He's just been an asshole, as you said. Um, and you know, you you can't have a lot of fun playing a character like that, especially you know. And he wasn't, uh, you know, an, an OG. If he feels that you know that they aren't writing for his his character as well, then that's going to lead to some frustration. Okay, that is a good point, Professor, because we really don't know the full backstory. All we know is that really gruff Instagram post that he had to clean up twice. So uh, it, it could be that he was frustrated with the writers. Maybe that's what it is, uh, because, um, you know, we'll wait and see. If this is how Mick is throughout the rest of the season, I know we are not going to be enjoying Mick as much as we have in the past. Stay tuned, listeners. Okay, so... Uh, Let's talk about the alien of the week, Lord Noxacrillion. He's introduced in a very interesting sort of way at a sort of gas station convenience store type of thing uh, where, um, you know, he learns about the television series Dethrone. He misinterprets what Dethrone is, thinking that, you know, uh, taking down the ruler of Dethrone would uh, lead uh, him to, to, you know, rule over the planet. Uh, it, once he rules over the planet, then it's, it leads into a full-fledged invasion from his people and that sort of thing. Uh, and, and so he's roped into, uh, unwittingly or, or mistakenly, uh, into uh, having to do this uh, uh, this reality music competition which is clearly a ripoff of uh, the masked singer i will say there was an outcome of the throne where he does end up killing the the reigning champion of the throne dj s'more money who we've seen before zari's ex from um, many episodes ago uh, so the legends have to go in and and thwart uh lord knox's um killing of DJ S'more Money. So, I would venture to say that at least the professor has never seen The Masked Singer before. I don't know if Millie Wood has. I don't really know Millie Wood's taste in reality television. I don't know if she watches reality television outside of Queer Eye. Because I do remember you telling me this. Uh, there was a whole little Queer Eye moment with um, with Bayrod and and um and uh, nate which made me laugh and made me think of you uh, uh millie but are you familiar with the mass singer i'm familiar with it i haven't seen it but i've i watch fox i see enough commercials i understand it okay all right so clearly this was a riff on that uh, done in a very digital covid friendly way with instead of a studio audience people on screens which let's be real it's the year 2045 it would kind of make sense that there would be people on screens and emojis and all that kind of stuff let's talk about just the competition in general the music uh, the costumes the pageantry of the uh, throne professor Maybe I'm wrong. I, w- I would assume you've never seen an episode of The Masked Singer. I, I would assume you at least know about it. But what do you think of the pageantry of The Throne? Uh, you know, it uh, again, yeah, obviously I, I don't watch that because, you know, I have an IQ above room temperature. Uh, but uh, the idea behind The Masked Singer is that they all wear masks. Well, only one person was wearing a mask. So I would argue that your mask Singer analogy uh, falls a little flat. 
Um, I love the fact that they brought back uh, DJ Smore Money. Uh, I thought that was a one-off joke when they brought him into uh, to Bizarri's, uh, you know, supposed love interest. Uh, you know, the the fact they brought him back, and and as soon as they brought him back, the realization that the whole reason for the Smore Money, for the wearing the Smore on the head, was just so that John could set his head on fire in this episode. It's like, you know, the black plotting, you know, the, the sense that, OK, we're going to introduce this character. We're going to bring him back in a few episodes and then we're going to light his head on fire. Um, and I loved it. I was totally on board for it. It was uh, it was great. You know, um, uh, yeah, as I say, I, I don't watch any of those, you know, reality competition type voting shows. Um, but it felt, you know, real to me, uh, you know, in a covid, uh, you know, friendly sense. And, you know, as you say, you know, it is the future. So, you know, why would they gather in person? You know, it makes much more sense that they would be you know, gathered in that that virtual way. Uh, so the whole thing, you know, struck me as uh, as, as obviously, you know, uh, parodying it. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it was interesting that, you know, certainly when um, uh, Lord Knox uh, actually performed, his performance was actually quite good. Um, which was interesting, even though he was singing a song that was, you know, so obviously Zari specific. So I thought it was nice that they didn't, you know, uh, fall into the trap of, you know, having bad songs or anything like that. Like both of Zari's songs were great. Uh, Tal Ash, of course, is fantastic. You know, she's a great singer. Um, and, uh, I just thought it was, it was an interesting choice having, you know, the, the non-binary, non-gender specific, uh, you know, alien, uh, you know, uh, singing this female empowerment song. Uh, that, that was a very nice touch. Yes. I co-signed that as well. Uh, based off of what I read online, I get that there weren't people in masks outside of S'more Money and, and Lord Knox, but apparently the rules of the competition with the duels and that kind of thing, all of that is Mass Singer. I haven't seen the Mass Singer. Uh, I have seen an episode of The Voice and American Idol at some point. Uh, that didn't seem American Idol-y to me based off of what they were doing. So, um, so that's why the internet says that it's the Mass Singer. Okay, so uh, Lord Knox, the music. Millie, did you enjoy the music? Did you enjoy Lord Knox? Uh, Zari ends up getting into the competition. Uh, we got a little bit of a taste of um, like the uh, point of view of the stands of Zari and like how they see her in the year 2045. You know, they all think maybe she's in rehab or something. Uh, Zari makes her return to public life because of Dethrone and trying to make sure that Lord Knox does not win it. Uh, so we get a lot of uh, the fans' reaction to Zari returning, and we also get Zari turning on the... Um, Zari, social media influencer, oh my god, you know, the very Kardashian-y type of Zari that uh, we were first introduced to. What'd you think of all of that, Millie? I loved it. I think, like, as much as I think when we first saw that Zari, I was not a fan, because is definitely that little ditzy thing, but now seeing her putting it on as more of, like, a front, and her having all this growth and understanding, like, how that just wasn't fulfilling as it was i thought it was really great um i enjoyed uh, all, all the fans are weird i like they're like rehab yoga retreat uh it's it's interesting the things that people come up with and in terms of her performances um and just like her on the, the carpet and doing all the interviews it was great uh tal ash is like channeling her inner alexa rose as she was in the previous episode also a little bit of gaga so i loved all of it um i thought it was great and of course only works on legends but it was definitely her she shined, she took it away, and it, it was a fun time. 
Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Tala Ash did a really good job of just slipping into that uh, Zari 2.0 that that was introduced last season. Uh, Tala Ash is just fantastic. She's able just to pl- to play all these multiple characters and multiple iterations and multiple personalities of the characters with such ease. Uh, props to her. Major props. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. So. One of the things that was interesting about this storyline is that Ava was kind of on the sidelines. She was uh, sort of quarterbacking the mission on the Wave Rider, so we didn't really get to see much of her. But she did have a bit of an interaction with Spooner. Uh, Spooner didn't get much to do either, but Spooner was the, the person that ended up inspiring Ava to have a talk with Rory. Uh, we did see a lot of uh, Spooner and Ava sort of reaction to the throne, which I thought was good. They were kind of the uh, visual representation of us watching the throne. Uh, Professor, your take on Spooner and Ava in this episode. Uh, it was a moment to, to really have Spooner connect with Ava. Um, it wasn't um, at the forefront as we've seen you know, other times with uh, the newbie, sort of like the new recruit uh, bonding with uh, one of the, well, she isn't really an OG, but I guess she's kind of is an OG compared to to Spooner. But what would you think of both of them together? Uh, I thought, uh, you know, it, it was nice uh, having them together. I agree with you. I, I absolutely loved every time they would flash back to the scene of them just, you know, sitting sort of, you know, slack jaw in front of the TV, reacting to what we were seeing. And, and you know, as you say, you know, sort of being the proxy or the audience surrogate uh, as the insanity is happening. Um, uh, you know, I, I just want to push back a little bit. You know, uh, Ava did manage to capture the alien with a little bit of uh, smart thinking. She just wasn't yes. able to hold him for yeah. a length of time. So that was, you know, very smart. Very, yeah. I thought that was like a very great bit of improvisation. I also like, you know, you were talking about the uh, the relationship between um, uh, Spooner and Ava. I think the real relationship in this one is the developing relationship between uh, Ava and uh, and Zari. Uh, you know, when when Zari says, "Do you trust me?" Uh, and she says, "Yes." And you know, the uh, you know the the resolution to it all. Uh, I think there's there's really a uh, a strong friendship and a trust building between those two that we wouldn't. Have seen uh, even a few episodes ago, and I think they've done a, a very nice job of uh, of building that up over time, as opposed to just sort of springing us, springing it on us that oh, suddenly these two are besties. Um, I think they're they're spending the time to develop, you know, the uh, the bond between them, and I'm enjoying that. I think it, it, it's great, and uh, yeah, I can get a lot uh, with Ava uh, because you know after they they uh, you know gone through the first thing, you know, there wasn't much she could do, but the fact they did keep her there, you know, having those reactions uh, was great. Totally, 100%. So, as the professor stated, there was a moment where uh, Ava did capture Lord Knox, but uh, he ends up escaping, and uh, there there is a reason why, you know, because uh, you know he he needs to, as as I mentioned, uh, he needs to properly win and, and that sort of thing. If not, uh, he he was going to decimate the entire planet. Even if uh, he, well, I mean, when he won, he he was going to lead an invasion. Anyway, but you know what I'm saying. Um, they needed the chance to try to, try to thwart him. Uh, so he is thwarted. Zari wins. And uh, he goes back onto the Wave Rider with them. He pledges fealty to um, Zari, because she is now the ruler 
uh, you know, in his eyes, you know, because he followed the rules of Dethrone. She has Dethrone. Um, we are introduced to Lord Noxcrillian. Like, he, he, that whole suit and armor was just that, armor. It was a, like a giant mech for a teeny, teeny, teeny tiny little alien that steps out of the mech. And um, I will say, as I referenced, Lord Knox uh, talked about uh, this mercenary, uh, this intergalactic mercenary named Kayla that had captured him. And uh, I think we all maybe thought that we were going to have Lord Knox for at least a little more. But it was not meant to be because Mick, you know, returning with, with a drawing of what he thinks Kayla and her chicken wing face would look like ends up um, stepping on Lord Knox. Everyone's shocked, and but the beat moves so fast that no one really gets a chance to react. Millie, Lord Knox, he was not long for this world. I was so sad. He was so cute. I was ready to see him for another episode, and then he went squish. <laughs> so, um, I thought it was funny because I was curious, like, what aliens behind that mask? And it did shock me that it was this teeny tiny little alien. But I thought he would have been interesting. And and his comment about being held captured, um, I think, is giving us a little bit more information about like these type of aliens that we're obviously seeing. And maybe there's a a pattern that we'll see um once we meet the Kayla. Yeah. Well, Kayla's. Wait. I'm trying to think. Kayla's dead. No. Kayla was thrown out. So she might not be dead. Right. Yeah, my guess is she's not dead. Uh, I would have thought she was dead prior to this episode, but I think, you know, based on what we found out uh, in, in this episode, uh, I think it's uh, it's pretty obvious that she's still alive. Either they're going to have to go back in time and find her, so we're going to meet Kayla, or she was able to survive, uh, you know, even after she was jettisoned. Yeah, I feel like she, yeah, we definitely will meet Kayla, whether it's pre-Kayla or post-Kayla, you know, getting thrown out of uh, the ship. We're going to meet Kayla, which is going to be hella interesting. And uh, she's going to have to be a human uh, for us to understand her, I would think. So I wonder who's who that will be once, you know, they put glasses on her. That'll be interesting to see. Okay, so let's talk about Sarah and Gary and their adventures on the alien planet. That planet with the uh, the purple filter. So, when we last saw Sarah, she had been poisoned by uh, not Amelia Earhart, and uh, they're being pursued by lights, um, and so Sarah's like, I, I'm too weak, you're going to have to take him out with your power, Gary, aka he's going to have to eat them. Gary's hesitant, but he ends up doing it, and while Gary's devouring all of these uh, flashlight minion people, uh, Sarah ends up seeing Ava and follows her, because I guess that's what you do on a mysterious alien planet when you see your boothang. Uh, Gary ends up eating all of the individuals that were after them, except for one, and he realizes that they were all Ava clones, uh, and that they were delicious. Uh, Sarah 
ends up figuring out that this was not Ava. And so she ends up fighting the clone. And she she ends up knocking her out. And she enters this uh, tunnel. And uh, she runs smack dab into the person, human, question mark, we don't know, that uh, was, I guess, trying to acquire her. Because he says that uh, it's it's been a long time coming. So, this gentleman his, is named Bishop, I will say. We do not learn his name in the episode, but this is... Uh, this is Bishop. So, uh, hi, Bishop. Let's talk about this. Sarah, the Ava clones, Gary, this mysterious gentleman. Uh, Professor, talk to me about it. You know what? Um, I love the fact that, uh, you know, the uh, all the Eva clones, you know, have, you know, again, you know, going back to something that you thought was a throwaway for one episode Two seasons ago. Nope. Actually, we're going to bring that idea back. Uh, you know, uh, Gary's, uh, you know, uh, you know, line about, you know, how it is when you have never bone marrow for or when you have never marrow for a long time. And then why did you taste so good? I just oh, my God, I, that line just cracked me up because, of course, he's going to feel terrible about, you know, realizing that he's devoured all these uh, these Avas. Um, I, so, again, I, I loved everything about this. It, you know, and again, it's it's sort of the reveal that, you know, when Sarah thinks she sees Ava and you're thinking, well, it's just a sort of hallucination anyone would have. But then you find it. No, it really is. And Ava, well, what the hell's going on here? Um, I think that's uh, that's great. Uh, I love I'm, I'm looking forward to finding out how the Ava clones got on this planet. You know, did he just buy them up from the Time Bureau? Uh, I, I don't know, but I am looking forward to that. I thought, you know, uh, Gary's fight scene was good. Uh, it was nice to see. And uh, yeah, it was uh uh, yeah, a lot to really enjoy in that. And, and I said, I think I said last episode that, you know, I really wasn't feeling the uh, the whole, you know, Gary vibe in that episode. But definitely I was back on it uh, in this episode. I thought it was great. Millie, what about you? What did you think of Sarah and Gary's adventures uh, with the Ava clones? That's funny. I feel the opposite of the professor. I, I wasn't feeling it this episode besides the Ava clone. I thought that was an interesting reveal. But like him, like he was, I think, last year, I, I felt strange. I think we're having all this interesting mass singer voice goofiness um, on, you know, the present timeline, 2045. And then to come here, I don't know, it felt like it was taking me out. Um, and it felt really slow moving until we got to the Ava clone. So there's something weird about the whole thing. I just, in the amount of time, because we didn't have a lot of time of it, it just felt out of place a little bit. Um, but... Hopefully with the reveal and the mysterious guy, there'll start being movement with this whole plot. I think it's more because, like, I don't know where it's going. Like, are we on this strange planet? Are they going to be eaten? Um, it's just kind of hard to see where that's going, even without the, like, little tan, any, like, small drops and hints and things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can, I, I get where you're coming from. I did enjoy it. I, I thought it was fun. Um, I did not believe that that was Ava. I mean, let me just be for real, real, real. Uh, so I, I, I did wonder if it was a hallucination. The fact that it was um, the actual clones, I thought was, as both of you said, brilliant. Because it was a nice little callback to uh, something that was introduced previously. Uh, can we just all agree that Mr. Bishop has a fantastic head of hair? 
I, I was impressed by that because like the whole island so far, not island, sorry, the, the whole planet has all kind of been grungy. I mean, Amelia Earhart, uh, not Amelia Earhart, was like all grungified in her little shack. So I was wondering like what type of planet it was going to be. And the fact that he has an impeccably decorated um, library type of thing. I I thought was kind of, you know, the juxtaposition was really interesting. Uh, and he seems very nice so far. So uh, we'll see what that means. Poor uh, Sarah has looked better, though. I mean, whatever that poison was that, uh, you know, was in not Earhart is uh, sucking the life out of her. Uh, yeah, hopefully he has an antidote. I would assume he does. Because my guess is he wants her alive for something. His collection. Maybe he's the collector in this, uh, this show. Stay tuned. Was there anything that I missed? A teeny tiny little moment, a little comedic beat that either of you would like to bring up uh, before we head into the MVP? Uh, I like how Nate and Bayrod, uh, you know, uh, absolutely went into character as the uh, the stylists for uh, for Zari. Uh, you know, it's uh, you know they didn't have a lot to do in the episode, but it seemed like they were having fun with it. Yes. Bayrod had good hair in this episode, too. Speaking of the good hair, everyone, I think, looked really good. Uh, Zari's costumes were really nice as well when she was performing on Dethrone. And they even got John out of his usual uniform, which is a rarity on this show. All right, everyone, it's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. Millie Wood, who's your MVP and why? Um, probably no shocker. I'll have to go with Zari as the MVP. Uh, it was really her episode. Um, seeing her back in 2045, but to see her on the like the fame side and her slipping back in that character, um, as mentioned, like Tal Ash did such a great job and seeing her performing. It was just a fun, delightful way uh, to see all that in a like making fun of the mass singer reality show. So it was just a really she brought the the light and the joy to the episode. So I could not like get enough of her. Fantastic choice. The professor and I are looking at you with the side eye because she was fantastic. And I'm, I would assume that the professor also had her maybe on uh, the top of his list. I know I did. Uh, professor, who's your MVP and why? Well, I have a little drama for you. I'm giving <laughs> it to that guy. I, I don't think we ever got his name. Uh, I don't know how he, he was the, uh, the guy who did the interstitials on the throne. That actor was just having so much fun. <laughs> like, and again, this is the show. Legends is the show where you can go over the top. You can be a little crazy because you are dealing with crazy situations. He was playing that character as he would be in a reality TV show. And he was just going for it every time and was a delight. I, I could, you know, I could have had more of him. They used plenty of him, you know, every chance they got. But wow, he was just having just absolutely making a meal of what could have just been a, a vanishingly small, easily forgotten, uh, you know, part otherwise. That's funny. Uh, a a, a curveball from the professor, but a fantastic choice. I will co-sign. I just looked him up. Marco Soriano, a, uh, a, an, an actor that uh, calls Vancouver. His home, so he's a good Canadian. 
He man. looks familiar to me. I'm sure I've seen him in other things, but I couldn't I couldn't relate anything that I had seen him on. Yes. But uh but yes, uh he brought it. He was a fantastic uh, reality television host. I will uh, give him props as well. I'm going to give the MVP to I'm going to give it to Ava. Because I agreed with her the most in this episode. I mean, Zari was my top choice, so Zari was fantastic. But I'm going to give it to Ava because I thought the conversations that she had with the cast members that she was paired up with were really good. I thought Jess McCallan did a really good job. And she also sort of expressed at least how I felt about Mick at the, at the time. She was a bit exasperated and kind of done with him. And I was as well. So she, she sort of conveyed what a lot of us as viewers were feeling at the time. Especially when she was like... You can get off my ship. That's what I kind of felt as well. So uh, I, I will give it to Jess McCallan. She also played her clones beautifully. Uh, yes. So now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 wave riders? The point system is allowed. And if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden wave rider. Professor? I'll give it eight and a half. Definitely rewatchable, if only to uh, to watch the uh, the Tal Ash performances. Um, you know, there were you know a few things that we talked about that you know uh, may have not uh, gone quite as well. Uh, but you know, they they had the conceit for this one, which was the uh, the TV reality uh, you know competition show, and uh, and they committed to it fully. Uh, definitely rewatchable. An eight and a half from the professor Millie Wood. What about you? I think I'm going to echo the professor with an 8.5. Very enjoyable. Uh, definitely rewatchable. I love how they did go full heart into what they were doing. But there's just some plot points, like the Mick and how I felt about the Ava Gary storyline that kind of took me out of it. Uh, but I just fast forward through those parts on my rewatch and just watch the reality show, and it will be a good time. Well, there you go. Wow, Millie, wouldn't the professor agreed? That was a mic drop moment right there. And I will co-sign as well. I'll give it an eight and a half as well, based off of what everyone said. The reality stuff, the dethrone stuff was fantastic. But some of the other stuff, just a little hinky, especially the mixed stuff. So on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Time Masters. Here's our announcer, Gidget, to remind you on how you can interact with us. Thank you, Captain. Follow Perpetulo Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Perpetulo Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at perpetuoradio.com. Are you interested in joining the Perpetulo Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at perpetuoradio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Perpetulo Radio programs by visiting perpetuoradio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Time Masters and subscribe. Back to you, my captain. Thanks, Gidget. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with the professor. Good night. And Millie Wood. Good night, listeners. If you want to follow along with me, I'm on Twitter as at the Asian Nerd. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Time Masters every Tuesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio Archives. Good night.